Greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're able to join us for this act of worship. St Bride's is famous for its ministry to journalists, and behind me here you can see our journalists' commemorative altar. We are aware as never before of the dangers that those in the industry face when bringing us the news. So our journalists and all who work in the media are very much in our thoughts and prayers at this time. However, we are, of course, here for all of you, journalists and everyone else. Do please leave us a comment or a like and tell us where you're listening from. It's always good to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these services, uh, you'll find details of how to do so in the accompanying text. But now, may the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. Jesus said, Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. A very warm welcome to our choral Eucharist on this, the 11th Sunday after Trinity. It's wonderful that you can join us for this service. We begin now with an opening prayer. 
Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
Let us pray. O God, you declare your almighty power most chiefly in showing mercy and pity. Mercifully grant to us such a measure of your grace that we, running the way of your commandments, may receive your gracious promises and be made partakers of your heavenly treasure. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book Ecclesiasticus. The beginning of man's pride is to depart from the Lord. His heart has forsaken his Maker. For the beginning of pride is sin, and the man who clings to it pours out abominations. Therefore the Lord brought upon them extraordinary afflictions and destroyed them utterly. The Lord has cast down the thrones of rulers and has seated the lowly in their place. The Lord has plucked up the roots of the nations and has planted the humble in their place. The Lord has overthrown the lands of the nations and has destroyed them to the foundations of the earth. He has removed some of them and destroyed them and has extinguished the memory of them from the earth. Pride was not created for men, nor fierce anger for those born of women. This is the word of the Lord.
A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are ill-treated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honour among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money, and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never fail you nor forsake you. Hence, we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler who belonged to the Pharisees, they were watching him. Now, he told a parable to those who were invited when he marked how they chose the places of honour, saying to them, When you are invited by anyone to a marriage feast, do not sit down in a place of honour, lest a more eminent man than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give place to this man. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. 
but when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, go up higher. Then you will be honoured in the presence of all who sit at table with you, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He said also to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your kinsmen or rich neighbours, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Father, would you put your words upon my lips? In my early years, I fear that I was not a particularly good Dinner party guest. I'm not proud of it. Oh no. But I am a fan of looking truth straight in the eye. On one memorable occasion, I was feeling very bored and I managed to fall asleep at the table during the pudding. On another, I managed to start an argument within the first 15 minutes of sitting at table. This didn't win me a lot of favour at home as we were dining with my wife's work colleagues and we found we were never invited again. I have to say, I think I was something of an embarrassment. Today's reading from Luke's Gospel begins with what seems like a social etiquette lesson, probably one I would have done well to bear in mind if I'd been a Christian in those early days. Luke's Gospel features mealtimes and parties more than any other. It is a picture of the social life and the vibrant relationships between people at the time. Perhaps also it's giving us a clue that the Christian journey has something of the party about it. If we become too serious or forget to feast and be with others, then we miss out on many of the good things in life and many of the good things that God has for us. The first part of the reading is a warning to us to not get above ourselves. It's useful because pride is one of the great besetting sins. Indeed, Jesus speaks more about the problem of pride than just about any other issue. And pride, it seems, to me at least, is behind many of the things that go wrong for us. It's important on the Christian journey to not have too high an opinion of ourselves. No, not a low opinion, or feeling depressed about ourselves, but just to get ourselves into perspective, especially when we could compare ourselves to Jesus who walked among us, and he is the great example. None of us can have too much pride, can we, when we think how far we all fall short. The first caution is that we need to make sure that we're sitting in the right seat. The picture is of a wedding feast, and of course it would be a terrible embarrassment if we sat in a res seat reserved for someone on the top table. It's good advice, and I wonder how it might be applied today, perhaps at a special clergy meal, managing to sit in the seat reserved for the Archbishop of Canterbury would be an equivalent. The call is for due humility, and that kind of humility is very willing and very winning when we come across it. Indeed, humility is extremely attractive when it's, when it's exhibited by great people, people in power. I won't name names, but you know our, our leaders have sometimes lacked humility, haven't they? Thomas Hardy, the great writer and poet, showed great humility in many areas of his life. Even when he was a very famous poet and could have had his poems published anywhere and earned a great deal of money from them, he would always send them in with a return envelope, stamped and addressed, in case they weren't good enough. I like that. I warm to him. 
The lesson, I think, behind the obvious here is that we're called not to push ourselves forward in the sight of God. We don't need to be forever saying, look at me, look at what I've done. And I think that's something of a relief. We don't need to show off or be needy with God. Why? Because God sees everything, and in some ways our lives are played out in front of an audience of one, the great God of love and beauty, fun and fellowship. God knows what we're about, and so we can relax, and we can relax and do his work the best we can with his help, and know he's not looking to trip us up or point out our mistakes. The second part of the reading is actual literal advice, and that's very rare from Jesus, so I think that when we get it, we might try to take it and apply it. I've not been very good at this piece of advice here, so you know, I stand with all of us wondering how we might make it, make it real. So here we have a radical suggestion about who to invite to dinner parties. Of course, in the village context, everyone would have known everyone, and the doors would have been thrown open on many occasions so that anyone could come in. But it's not quite the same for us here in London. It takes a lot of preparation to put a dinner party together. Perhaps drawing up a list of who should be there is part of the fun. Who should sit next to whom, who might be the best conversationalist, and so on. I remember once going to a huge dinner event at the Institute of Marketing, where they very carefully planned all the tables and who would sit where, and I realised I was seated so far back that the speakers were a mere speck in the distance. But what if we were taught to draw up entirely new kinds of guest lists for parties? Behind this is an idea that's very interesting. We are, we're not called to do good, to do good or social things or anything, on the basis of, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. We don't invite people because they might invite us back to an equally grand party. We don't do good because we're all, we'll get good done to us. Dr Johnson, who lived just round the corner from here, of course, spoke about what we now call networking. When we do something for someone, he said, we have a lively sense of favours to come. But what if we didn't have a sense of favours to come and we did just good stuff because we could? The call is to invite those who wouldn't normally be invited, who no one else would really want to invite to a party. In other words, there's nothing in it for you and everything in it for them. And this is at the heart of the Christian life. It frees us from, as Disraeli had it, climbing the greasy pole. What if we didn't need to climb and we could just invite the kind of people who we wouldn't normally meet? This in turn, is a picture of one of the great images of the Bible, the great heavenly banquet that awaits us after our death. I often think we'd be very surprised by who we might meet in heaven, and I look forward to the great rogues gallery of people who might be there at that great banquet. The idea behind not inviting the great and the good is a very strong Bible idea, and that idea is that one day the last will be first. Those at the back of the queue will be at the front of the queue. The heavenly banquet to me is a happy idea because it turns the world upside down. The guests of honour are people who wouldn't normally be guests of honour. I like that. I did once go to a party like this and I'd like to finish by sharing this experience with you because it was so brilliant and I've never been to anything like it and I think it absolutely encapsulates this thought in this Bible reading. It was a model of that great heavenly banquet, the party where all kinds of people you wouldn't expect were invited. It was strange, there were happenings and wonderful hospitality. I'd gone to Georgia, the Russian uh, ex-satellite, with my friend Jonathan Aitken. You may know about Jonathan and his fall from grace and his rise to extraordinary Christian glory. And perhaps he's a good example because he might not be the first person on certain people's lists for a dinner party. But this is what happened. We were hosting a conference for leaders. It's an extraordinary country, and one evening we were told we were going to go to a village feast. So we got into our little cavalcade, complete with armed guards at the beginning and at the end, and we travelled further and further outside Tbilisi. The Soviet-era tower blocks gave way to villages, the motorways gave way to small dirt tracks, 
and eventually we came into a tiny, tiny village. We were ushered into a normal looking house and were welcomed in a very beautiful way and it was then that the feast began. Seated at a long table, surrounded by a huge variety of different people, we were served course after course of the most delicious food, cooked by, it seemed, every member of the village who brought something. At one point a man arrived on a donkey and brought us in some gorgeous wine and he made, that he'd made in his small vineyard. And after each course we stopped to toast different aspects of life and the faith and to sing a song. And at one point we were warned to be quiet because there was a wolf walking around in the garden. I don't think I've ever felt quite so part of something and so part of something with people I wouldn't normally have been with. Those people were not going to get an invitation back to the UK for a party at my house in Ealing. But we felt like family. One day, my friends, the world will be turned upside down. Jesus promises it. One day, the last will be first. One day, those who don't normally get invited to the feast will be there in all their ragged glory and we will just be there in awe at what we missed while we were here. Oh, and by the way, I am now safe to be invited to dinner parties of any kind because I've calmed down a lot and I no longer embarrass anyone. Amen to that. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead, and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, please help each of us to find a sense of inner peace and calm, so that together we can overcome the uncertainty of our future, the aftermath of COVID, the changing nature of international relations, the war in the Ukraine, the rising costs of food and energy, and the man-made threat to our environmental resources affect every earthly being, our flora, our minerals, and, perhaps dare one suggest, our universe. Help us, dear Lord, to ensure that our Christian values will help us love our natural world. Let all that we do be done in love for each other and nature. May we bestow compassion and respect upon humanity and all things green and wonderful and creatures great and small. We pray you forgive the sins of our fathers, poisoning our natural world. We pray you forgive us for following in their footsteps. For once, we knew not what we do. Now we do. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
We pray for our children, for they shall inherit the earth. May they feel loved and cherished and spread their tender loving care over the forest, meadows, fields, mountains, and waters of the earth. No more may they and our natural world be vulnerable to abuse and exploitation. We pray for the people of the Ukraine and the people of Israel and Palestine and all those trapped in conflict. May their human rights be respected. May they strive for harmony rather than division. We pray for all those working in the media who risk their lives, braving the terror of conflict to bring us news that speaks the truth. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all those working in the literary, visual and performing arts whose creativity fills us with wonderment. We are thankful that it takes us into the worlds of others to see and appreciate different shades of life. We pray for all those in our Christian community who are lonely and ashamed of their loneliness, weeping for friendship at night. Help them, dear Lord, to realize that companionship is waiting to greet them. We pray for those at St. Bride's who guide us towards goodness, Alison, Jeff and Steve, and all those who help to keep the bricks and mortar of St. Bride's standing and imbued with this Christian spirit, James, Claire, Robin and Adira. We pray for our choir, organist and director of music we pray for our listeners. May we meet you one day and we pray for all those with us today. In the light of hope, fellow parishioners, forgive me for sharing with you lines from a poem by the American Andrew Johnson. It used to be sung by children in the South. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, Thou who hast brought us thus far on the way, Thou who hast by thy might led us into the light, keep us forever in the path we pray. Lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we met thee, lest our hearts drunk with the wine of the world we forget thee, shadowed beneath thy hand, May we forever stand, true to our God, true to our native land. Merciful Father, accept these prayers, prayers for the sake, sake of your, your Son, Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Christ. Amen. Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise. Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. For he is your living word. Through him you have created all things from the beginning and formed us in your own image. Through him you have freed us from the slavery of sin, giving him to be born of a woman and to die upon the cross. You raised him from the dead and exalted him to your right hand on high. Through him you have sent upon us your holy and life-giving spirit and made us a people for your own possession. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, We proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord through him, and with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence, as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy, Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord of all mercy, we, your faithful people, have celebrated that one true sacrifice which takes away our sins and brings pardon and peace. By our communion, keep us firm on the foundation of the gospel and preserve us from all sin. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.